0: And so you think about how the world's changed in the last 30 years. Schools are not just frozen in time. Those things go into the school and teachers and students and administrators, they all react to whatever the the social situation is.
1: Okay, that is such a good, like, I'm going to have to pull that quote out as just kind of a reminder that I keep in my mind.
2: Welcome to Ask Alice a podcast that explores the issues and challenges teenagers face on a daily basis. Hosted by Alice Chernock, a licensed professional counselor in Birmingham, Alabama. Ask Alice is part of the Rooted family of podcasts, which also includes the Rooted Conference podcast, the Rooted Parent podcast, the Rooted Youth Ministry podcast, and Thanos to Theos. Rooted is a ministry that is focused on advancing grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated youth ministry. To learn more, visit RootedMinistry.com. Here's your host, Alice Chernock.
1: Good morning, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Ask Alice. Y'all, I am so pumped for this episode. This has been a topic that's been on my mind for probably maybe two years now. And the fact that we have someone who is a brave soul who is willing to sit down with me and actually open up this conversation is phenomenal. So today we're going to talk about the public education system. We know that our 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 nation has gone through massive amounts of changes with uh, COVID and all of the the different public school. Um, topics that are coming down the pipes. And so as Christians and as Christian parents, there've been a lot of questions on how do we reconcile the differences that we feel personally compared to the, the state mandates or the national mandates that are happening in the public education system. So today our guest is a phenomenal speaker person. He is a a friend and I trust him completely. He is the superintendent of one of the school systems here in Alabama. His name is Dicky, Dr. Dickie Barlow. And he has been the superintendent for like, I don't know, 15 years maybe. But then before (laughs) that, I think there was a whole nother like 15 years of being a principal, being an assistant principal. So uh, here's somebody who has wisdom beyond belief and years that back it up uh, so Dicky, thank you so much for being willing to come on the show.
0: Well thanks Alice I'm I'm excited and nervous at the same time because uh, <laughs> you're right it is a uh, kind of a um, a topic that incites a lot of emotion and a lot of opinion so. So thank well, you for having me.
1: Well, you're so welcome. And I, I really do validate that and recognize that this is a tough conversation. I know that there are not very many superintendents or educators who would be willing to tackle this, especially on a public stage. And so I respect you immensely for having the just the courage to do this. and And I really do respect everything that you've done. I've watched you. I've known you for years and have seen how you have led and how you genuinely care for students and want to see the best and want to see these education systems thrive, which is why to me you're the perfect person to, to interview here. So let me dive in. I wanna just start by asking you, in your 30 something years in education, how is today's system of public education different from when you started years ago?
0: Well, you first of all, I feel like I'm 117 years old after that intro. Um, Sorry, you're not. um, You're not. But I I don't even know how long I've been in this. So I'd say 27. So I think this is my 38th year. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a minute. Yeah, Um, it
3: has.
0: So what's changed? um, I'd say first of all, what hasn't changed is kids are still kids. I mean, the emotions that that we remember having when we were in high school and maybe even with, when we have memories in elementary school, um, our students still have those type of emotions, you know, fears and concerns. And um, what's changed is that it just there's just been a multitude of things in our um, lifetime that um, have put additional pressures on families Um, and not, I'm I'm not talking about huge political pressures. I'm talking about the the invention of the iPhone, you Mm -hmm. know, that's, that's right up there with the printing press um, in my Mm -hmm. mind. Well, I'll tell you, one of my mentors is a guy named Phil Selecty. And he said he passed away about seven or eight years ago, but he said in the sixties and seventies and eighties, what you had is you had, three groups that spoke in to students you had parents you had schools as in teachers and you had the religious organizations your churches and your synagogues he said so that's that's where people gained their information as soon as the internet came about it wasn't three main sources anymore it was a multitude of hundreds of thousands of sources and so There wasn't a dissemination of information the way it was in the 60s and the 70s, and really even in the 80s. And I started in the 80s. And so if a student was going to learn something in schools, then they learned from the teacher. Mm
3: -hmm. Now
0: what we have is we've changed the way we design work because students come with more questions than they do because they hear all these things and Mm -hmm. they have so much more information they can get that teachers aren't disseminators of information. What we say are teachers are designers of learning. And so
3: Hmm.
0: that's a a pretty significant shift. That's on the learning side of it. The other thing is that families are different. The nuclear family is is just a lot different than it used to be. Um, There are a lot of different ways that a family looks, and there are a lot of uh, different ways that families think. I tell you one thing that's changed the schools are asked to do a lot m- more than they ever have been.
1: Before. Really? That's interesting yeah. to know. huh? How, can you go into that? How so?
0: Well, yeah. If you look at the list of what schools are asked to do, you know, back when I first started, kids came to school, and this is a vast generalization, but you know, um, they came <laughs> to school, there were buses, and so you, you'd get on the bus, you'd come, teachers would teach them they play their sports and they'd go home. They'd probably eat dinner at home all the mm-hmm. time. You know, recreation sports were still real big, but that was pretty much it. I mean, that was, it was a real simplistic way of education. Came in, you learn, but now there are so many things that schools are asked to do. I mean, what counselors do today mm. um, and the issues with anxiety and with um, the different opportunities for students and guidance as far as what classes to take and you know businesses. Um, when I was growing up, it was like, all right, are you going to go work for your dad? You're going to be a lawyer, a doctor, or mm-hmm. a teacher. I mean, those were kind of the big things it. that you talked about. And now when you go to a university, they give you a list of like 7,000 things to say, yeah. here's what you can become. And so and families... Have leaned on schools a lot more than ever before. Look, as a school person, I welcome, uh, you know, we want to help anybody who comes in our door. Mm -hmm. But the issues that we are faced with today, as opposed to 30 years ago, are light years and different.
1: You mean like emotionally or financially or in what ways?
0: Well, all of the above. Fair. You know, when you said stuff like, hey, we're, we'd we like to get behind, well, you didn't say this in this podcast, but one of the things you wrote me like, we, we want to get behind the curtain, you know, and yeah. see these. I wish I would have just kept little snippets of conversations that I've had over the last 38 years mm-hmm. with parents and students and faculty members and friends. I don't think people would believe the conversations that take place and what schools are asked to they have to deal with just Some of it's beautiful stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. so I don't want to c- count it all as negative, but um, some of it's beautiful, but the, the negative part is, you know, just how, what students get into what mm-hmm. conversations they have, what's w- essentially schools are a microcosm of a society. And so you think about how the world's changed in the last 30 years Schools have to, they don't just, schools are not just frozen in time. Those things go into the school and teachers and students and administrators, they all react to whatever the the social situation is.
1: Okay, that is such a good, like I'm going to have to pull that quote out as just kind of a reminder that I keep in my mind. But I think that you've done a really good job in painting the picture for us of just a bigger conversation than I was even expecting coming into this podcast, you know, but I think that I'm hearing you that I love the comparison between how society has changed and how the school system has had to adapt to that. And those are things that truly like, I hadn't even thought about, I mean, like even going back to what you were saying at the very beginning, like Dickie, the fact that all of our kids, my, the fact that I have a a fourth grader and he has his own Chromebook that's crazy, you know like the difference between that and his handwriting is crap, which I guess <laughs> is okay because he only types, you know. but I mean even those kind of changes that are, are things that I haven't thought about as being so different from when we were growing up. that's interesting. Well do you think that the value system so let me I'm I'm, I'm leading you into talking about teachers, all right so, Mm-hmm. Tim, as a superintendent, so what are the standards that you hold your own teachers to? You know, and so is it fair to say that the same standards that you as a superintendent hold your teachers to is what parents should hold teachers to?
0: Oh, I think so, because I actually think of myself as a parent when I do this job, too. I mean, you know, I have three children. They... All three, one is still in the school system that I work in, and um, two of them have graduated and are now, they attend Auburn University, one's a sophomore, one's a a freshman. Which you know um, is music
1: to my ears, I'm just going to throw out a big war eagle on that moment, so thank you, appreciate that. (laughs) Sorry, keep going. um,
0: So, the standards that we hold our, our teachers to, they're What we talk about, we we bring our teachers in, our new teachers in um, at the beginning of the year during the summer. And we do a whole week training of just culture, like Mm -hmm. what do we expect in our system? And what are you coming into? You need to know what kind of school system we have and what we believe in. And so we talk about competency and character, those Mm -hmm. two things. And that one well, and this sounds real harsh, but um,
1: <laughs> bring um, it.
0: But but one one will if you have one of them, you'll last in our school system for three years, maybe. Huh. Um, but you have to have both, and so you have to be a good teacher. You have to understand pedagogy skills and how uh, students work, and how you can engage students in their learning. And you have to be inquisitive and you know, think about the world differently as far as Mm -hmm. how can I get in this child's mind and how can I get them to be really interested in this? Um, The days of, you know, do this worksheet, they're gone because students have so much more that they're interested in and can be interested in that it's not that teachers have to entertain, but they have to engage. Mm -hmm. And so, um, sometimes entertainment actually gets in the way of engagement
3: mm, because mm-hmm. when you're
0: entertained, you just sit there and you soak it in. We're engaged. You're a part of the process.
3: That's
1: good.
0: And, and so, so that's what we talked to our teachers about competency. You know, are you a good teacher? And then the other person, the other part is, are you a good person? Do, mm-hmm. do you care for not only your students, but the, the teachers that you work with and the school that you work in? And so, you know, if you're just a a teacher who kind of sticks to themselves and um, it used to be, we used to consider schools, you know, it was one big building with a hundred different schools, if you would, because nobody walked into a classroom and nobody shared experiences. You know, you had a teacher that they did their way. And you don't bother how I teach my kids. I'm going to do it. And then the next teacher would do the same thing. Well, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, and businesses don't do that anymore.
1: Right. Um, so, So much more collaborative.
0: Right. And so, you know, that's a big part of what we talk about is that you have to work with teachers. You have to work with parents. You have to work with students and. You have to be a, a person who cares about the, the environment and the people around you. And if you do, do do those two things and you're willing to grow in that, then we got a place for you. Got it. If, you, if you're not that person and a large part of it, you know, we have this thing called the tenure system. So you have three years to, to work with teachers. And, uh-huh. and so it's not that teachers have to be perfect when they come in. What we say is we want to hire really, really good teachers and make them better and so and if you're willing to do that then our place is the right place for you but if you just want to just be a bump on the log and just kind of take a place then maybe right. you need to go somewhere else so.
1: yeah that's great but i like just those those two adjectives competency and character i think that those are really helpful as a parent those are kind of things that i will be able to keep in mind as, my, as I move forward with my, my own kids and their education and that kind of thing, I, I just think that those are, it's helpful to have a little bit of a framework to say, okay, yeah. these are realistic, you know? Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this. I feel like there is a great deal of fear that is happening about what kids are being taught in public schools. As a believer, do you have those same fears All right. So do you worry about the curriculums, the mandates, that kind of thing? As a believer, do you worry about that?
0: Well, do I worry about it? I always worry. No, I don't worry about it. Am I concerned about how, you know, the national picture? Always been concerned about the national picture. Um, And here's what I've learned about education the further way you get away from students, the different the conversation is.
3: Mm, um, mm-hmm. you know,
0: you're talking about policy or something that really doesn't, that's, that's so big and broad mm-hmm. and, um, almost feels like it's at a university setting, you know, yes, uh-huh. where, when you, when you boil it down and you talk about a teacher in a classroom, working with students, um, That's where you talk about the change in education. That's probably where um, the smallest amount of change is because Mm. it's very relational. Teachers have standards that they go by. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, you know, when we talk about standards, what parents would probably remember are things called lesson plans, you know. Yes. (laughs) Um, And so. And there are a lot of school systems that, you know, check lesson plans every day and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. We give our teachers a lot more autonomy and we talk about the standards that students have to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you talk about a you know, a day in a school with a teacher and a student, there's not a lot of room, you know, it's not like teachers are sitting around in their classroom talking about all the national topics all the time, Mm. especially in a math class, Uh you know. I mean, you go into a math class at, at, the, at a high school, um, people aren't talking about what they saw on CNN or Fox News, you
3: know, <laughs>
0: um, what they're talking about, is teachers saying, hey, get out your homework and let's go over these problems, right. you know, and what did you do here with X, you know, did you solve for X, no, look, here's what you have to do, let's talk about this, hey, y'all get in a small group and y'all work on this problem together.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, that's
0: still what goes on in classes. I mean, that's 90, you know, probably 95 to 98 percent of what goes on in classes. Now, mm-hmm. are there things that kind of go into schools? Absolutely. I mean, you know, there are different characters in schools and teachers have to respond differently. And, um, you know, when you hear these stories across the nation about what's going on in schools, I hear them and I go, oh my gosh! Well, the first thing I say is, is that really true? Mm. Because what I've what I've learned over the last ten years, and I've been a, a part of some things, um, nationally or locally that have been national stories. Yeah. And when you hear something on a you know a big media outlet, um, what I've what I've learned the hard way is that they're trying to create some type of connection with their their public and mm-hmm. so they're trying to to woo people into listening to them oh
1: sure i and, mean it's all about drama yeah. you know that's yeah. what sells. and
0: so it's a story and so when i know what's actually going on and with the situation and i hear what happens on the, what they say in the national news and i go that might be 15 percent true um and so I say all that to say, are there things that I, I'm concerned about? Sure. I'm, there are things in our country I'm concerned about. There are actually things in my household that I'm concerned about, you know, yeah, really, Just yeah, about, about my heart and how I parent my children. I mean, right. and so, um, and okay. how I treat my wife and, you know, when I have a hard day, what do I come home and how do I respond to my daughter when she mm-hmm. has an issue? how do I get her now? You know, how do I get her to talk to me? <laughs> Those right. are things I mean, all about.
1: real things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so um, when I, so I just say that to say, are there things that concern me? Absolutely. Are there, um, do I feel like our education? See, I, and I can't speak for the world. I can only mm-hmm. speak for my school system and probably surrounding school systems or around where I am. And, you know, are there huge Seismic shift things that are changing that people should run for the hills. Th- those things don't worry me because
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know the people that teach your kids are usually are usually your neighbors too.
3: Wow, that have
0: similar mm-hmm. values. They might not have the same values as you, but they have similar values. Um, and so I think that's what we have to remember. We 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 get scared to death because we hear these stories of people we don't know. In, in areas that we've never been.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: then, um, you know, when we have people, even in our community, who haven't been in our schools and they come in our schools. They, um, we had an issue a couple of years ago where, you know, some grandparents were coming and there's, there's conversation and we told people what we were doing. And one of my people were in the back of the room and two grandparents got up and they said, we came to this meeting for this. I mean, There's nothing to be concerned about here. And they turned around and
1: walked out. Wow. So So a lot of it perhaps is that fear mongering mentality that is, I like what you said though, about the people who are teaching your kids are probably also your neighbors. You know, I think that that's Mm -hmm. a really good point. And so uh, what I'm hearing you say is that culturally speaking, to read the temperature of the community that you're in, and recognize that just because you're in one community it doesn't necessarily apply to the national what what you're hearing more nationally is that is that that's, right
0: That's exactly right. Yeah. That's great. Yeah.
1: Okay, Dicky. So, let me ask you this. I think that this was a really good segue into this because in my mind you're sort of this perfect unicorn that we can ask that you mm. are a parent and you're a Christian and you're in public education and have been in public education. So knowing all of that as sort of the the background and the backdrop. How do you personally reconcile your differences in beliefs with what state and government mandates are are asking of you?
0: Yeah. That's a really complex question. I don't know if you realized how much you asked in that <laughs> question. <laughs>
1: I'm really um, good at asking complex uh, questions and expecting people <laughs> to answer in two minutes. <laughs> now go. So, uh,
0: so I'll say um, this as a Christian, you know, and as a leader of a, as a you know, public school system, um, I'm called to love people and to uh, care for them deeply. You know, I think about when Jesus walked through Galilee or, um, how uh, he responded to the, you know, the woman at the well, or, um, or when he turned around and said, who touched me? And he mm-hmm. listened to the woman's whole story. Yeah. Um, and so I think of that. And so, um, you know, it was a different environment then in the sense that there are a lot of different beliefs. There are different, you know, there are the, um, the Jews and there's Samaritans and, you know, different other cultural pieces right there. And Jesus right, was right there in the midst of all of them. And he didn't, um, he didn't spend every waking second correcting everybody, you know. Huh. Um, but he did walk through and he listened to people's stories and he loved them. Um, and, uh, and people were attracted to him because of that. Yeah. And so, in my position, what I feel like I'm called to do is one is to set a, vi- a vision of, you know, and direction for a school system. But in the workings of daily is to listen to people, to try to care for them. And really, you know, we talk about all these things nationally and we, you know, we hear all these things. But the truth of the matter is when a student walks through our, our front doors our goal is to make them feel safe and cared for so that they can learn. Mm. Um, you know, there's all this huge connection of if, if students don't feel like they're cared for or feel in a, or in a safe place. And, you know, that the whole word safe is kind of blown up. In <laughs> right. But, but, yeah. But
1: <laughs> yeah. You want to tackle it, that topic? Let's go there. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: just kidding. But in general, you know, if when a fifth grader comes in our school, what we say is, how can we connect with the students so that they're able to learn? Mm. Um, And, you know, and our teachers, I think, do a really good job of trying to stay neutral in learning, in a sense, especially like in secondary. What you do is you don't tell people what they're supposed to think. You teach people how to think through history, through math, and through English. And so, you know, you do, you read these things. And so, you know, um, some of it, like when we read books and secondary, I read some of those books too and with my daughter. And, and I think about it and I read and I go, gosh, you know, I, do I want her to read this? And there, there I read J.D. Salinger, you know,
3: uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: and, um, and I read about a junior high boy who had all kind of weird thoughts and
3: yeah yeah
0: and and so and I think I'm okay um Mm. I don't know you'll have to tell me that after the podcast (laughs) if I'm okay I'm still
1: analyzing you (laughs) (laughs) whatever um
0: so I don't even know if I'm answering your question you are and you know
1: I think it's cool to hear you what I'm hearing is that in a lot of ways the things that we're facing are not new I mean, we're going back to, I love how you pulled in the difference in ideology from Christ's and, and it's not like there was just one set way of doing things then there's not one set way of doing things now, but I really appreciate what you're saying about engaging in conversation, you know, and I think you're right. That people are more willing to have a conversation when we come in with defenses down And just say, hey, let's talk about this, you know, and I think I'm taking this a step further and want to apply that to bringing that at home and then bringing the the books that your daughter's reading at home and say, you know, baby, let's talk about this. What do you think about this book and engaging in that conversation, the same way we can engage in a conversation with a teacher? Hey, I want to understand where you're coming from in teaching this book. Why this book? Can you help me understand that? So. I think what I'm hearing is is the 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 conversation piece is so critical to reaching and and to eliminating a lot of that fear that perhaps we we come in with these preconceived notions.
0: Right, and so let, let me I'll talk about me for a second. Um, Good, please you know, as, as a as a parent. Um, and I love my school system, and I've, I've got some of the greatest teachers, you know, that I work with, and I'm just really impressed with them. However, um, you know, and I guess I have the power to call the principal at the high school and say, "Hey, I want my daughter to have these teachers,"
3: uh-huh. um,
0: but I don't do that because um, I well, I don't feel like I have the right to do that because I feel like <laughs> I'm just a regular, I'm a parent, you know, mm. too, and so, um, but. You know, honestly, I want my children to experience heartbreak and conflict while they're in my home. Mm. And so, you know, my son, I wanted him to have a girlfriend and I wanted them to break up at
3: uh-huh. some point,
0: not because I didn't cherish the the relationship he had with this girl, but, you know, it's, it's hard having a broken heart when you're in college and it's the first time you, you're and you're alone. And so I wanted to be able to go in that room and say, Hey, tell me how you're feeling. I remember when I felt that way, Yeah, those kind of things. Or when a teacher says, Hey, I don't, I don't like the way you're thinking here that, you know, this is the way we were talking about this issue. And, and my child comes home and says, you know, my teacher, she's terrible. She's, mm-hmm. um, and I want to, I want to say, gosh, you know what? Sometimes we don't agree with everybody in life. It's not going to be like that. We, we, we don't see everything eye to eye. So how are you going to deal with that conflict? And so I want now, I don't want that to be an everyday thing, but I certainly want there to be situations where my child is put in a um, predicament that I can be there for them. Before mm-hmm. they go to college, or before they go move out of my house, mm-hmm. and so sometimes I think we we're so scared we want this perfect environment for our children. We don't ever want there to be conflict. We always want them to start, you know, be the on the top five on on the basketball team, and not only that, but we also want them to be the leading scorer and date the cheerleader who you know is going to Harvard
3: yeah.
0: and. And life's just not that way. Yeah. Um, and so we have to be with our kids. And um, look, I I know that it's a different society and we have to be worried about things and um, about what our children are into. Um, but, but we have to walk with them through that. And we can't protect them from every little thing.
1: That's so good. So as a parent, at what point if we see that our kids are reading certain books that we don't necessarily agree with or like, or are being taught certain ideologies, at what point as a parent do we go to the teacher and talk about that?
0: Um, At the point that you feel like it's necessary. I mean, and you know, it depends on the parent. I mean, there are some people that, well, I remember I had a friend who was actually, very high in a ministry. And he told his son, Hey, I'm not going to go to your teachers for you. If you have a problem with something, you're going to go do that.
3: Yeah. That's um, great. And when,
0: and when it becomes a big problem, as in like a huge problem, then I'll consider it.
3: Mm-hmm. But now
0: this child was in high school. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, but, there are other parents that don't feel comfortable with that, you know, mm-hmm. and so they feel like they need to get a little more involved or maybe, um, you know, one of my children's extremely outgoing and will tell you exactly what they think. I have another child that, that won't do that. And yes. Uh-huh. That maybe it's creative. So maybe I need, you know, what I would do for my third child versus what I do for my first child, completely different. Right. Um, And so to answer at what point, that really is a family issue. And so mm-hmm. I would look into it. Um, but, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with open communication, you know, mm-hmm. of emailing a teacher. And what I would tell parents is just, you just like you have a relationship with your child, establish, if you're concerned about something, establish a relationship with the parent mm-hmm. and don't put them on the defensive yeah. immediately. Um just like you would, with you know, when if my wife talks to me in a normal way,
3: uh-huh.
0: um, then we're going to talk about probably harder issues than yeah. what. Rather than when she looks at me and says, "Why in the world did you do that?" Right. Well, conversation. Bring over.
3: it. I <laughs> know,
1: right? <laughs> I tell kids the the worst the worst way to start a conversation is with the word "why." why? <laughs> and I, I think that that's true. I think it's true for parents and, and going into teachers too. You know, if we as parents go to a teacher and say, why did you do that? You know? So, I mean, yeah. even just little nuances, I, I teach, I did a, um, a career day at my kids' middle school not too long ago, and I even taught them instead of starting a conversation with why, start the conversation with, help me understand what helped me understand your background or what made you think to blah, 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 you know, because yeah. I think even just little silly nuances like that are going to help facilitate a relationship and not put people on the defensive.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So but to answer your question, you know, how does some, when should somebody get involved? If it's, if it's something that's so shocking immediately. Okay. Um, but You know, I would also say that walk with your child through here's one thing that I think we live in a world now where, especially in the world that I live in, where, you know, it's a pretty affluent um, community. And Uh so what we're seeing is that um, in order to keep up with the Joneses and you have both parents go and work. Mm
3: -hmm. And so
0: what happens sometimes and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just that's just a reality. Um, And so what happens sometimes is parents abdicate their responsibility as parents to the school. And then they go in and say, what, you know? And so what I would say is don't just hand things over, Um, have conversations with your, your children. You know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. we, we try to have dinner every night Mm -hmm. at the dinner table. Now look, the conversations are not as rich as they were when they were in elementary school where they're, you know, going back and forth. And especially now that we only have one around the table. <laughs> I hear you. So we had...
1: Hey, wait, wait, wait. Can I stop you for a second and tell you? Yeah. Do you remember years ago, speaking of the dinner table years ago, you gave out packets of questions to ask yeah. at the dinner table? Do you know that I personally we still have those questions and from time to time we will, I have them in a drawer right next to our kitchen table? And time to time, we will pull those questions out and ask each other. That was such a golden thing. Well done for you. <laughs> sorry. Uh,
0: well, thanks. I came up with a whole new packet um, just about six months ago. So if you want some, I'll, I'll send, send you another them packet. My way.
1: Yes, I do. I absolutely do. <laughs> so what you're saying? Sorry, go about Go back to at the dinner table. You're having these conversations.
0: Yeah, and you know, rather than hey. Um, how was your day where you get uh-huh. nothing uh-huh. you know it's like hey so you're reading x I started reading some of that too tell me about what's the plot of the story what are you learning in that is it a good book do you like it you know yeah, um, yeah. what concerns you are you know or is it are there family in the book is the family in the book like our family mm. um, you know hey it's hard to have relationships with teenagers especially when you're their parent, Yes. Um, but uh, like, you know, but I have to tell myself every day, don't give up, go mm-hmm. back, you know, go back in the ring and try to figure out some way that you can connect with your child, and so, and through, edu- you know, through what they're learning, don't just ask a question and stop, I mean, and by the way, I've done that a hundred times where yeah, I'm tired of sure. the dinner table. I ask a question and I go, well, I tried. It just didn't mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. But the next morning you get up and you do it again. And so, you know, I, what I tell parents all the time is, you know, I know that especially in the secondary, you don't worry. About, I was talking to a guy yesterday and I said, yeah, I'm trying to get my child to talk to me. And he says, well, I have a fifth grader. That's not a problem for me.
3: <laughs> and I said. <laughs>
0: And, and I said, yeah, I cherish that. Yeah. That's a great right. thing. Um, right. But what I tell parents all the time is that, remember, even when your child is 17 years old, you are the most influential person in their life. It's not their English teacher. It's mm-hmm. not their math teacher. Um, it's So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that teachers don't have great influence because I think they do. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah. the parent is the one that they have this long relationship. They yes. birth their child, yeah. you know, and their kid, their children, whether they know it or not really care what their parents think.
3: I
1: agree. So. I've never met a kid who didn't want to please their parents. Not once now rebellion sets in and I know the angst and the anger and that kind of thing. But in all of my years of counseling, I have never met a child who didn't want to please their parents on the deepest Uh, levels. Yep. I agree with you. But Dickie, let me ask you this. And I know that we're having to wrap up on time. You know, you're (laughs) talking about knowing the, maybe reading the same books that your kids are reading and that kind of thing. But I feel like going back to old school mentality where when we were growing up, we had textbooks. And so we would come home with a textbook and my parents could, you know, look at the actual textbook and see the things that we're being taught. I got to be honest. I don't know what my kids are being taught because it's so it's online or I don't, I have no idea. Like there are no textbooks anymore. How do we as mm-hmm. parents find out what books our kids are reading and you know, what, what philosophies they're being introduced to?
0: Yeah. That's a great question. Cause there, there is a technological gap nowadays, you know? Yeah. I mean, even for me, um, I know, you know, like ha- how we use textbooks that in through our student learning management system. And but, you know, there's there's probably not a week that doesn't go by where I call our chief technology officer and say, how do I get on this again? Yeah. And what exactly. do I do? So there that is a huge issue is just trying to figure out not not in a negative way, like what's my child being taught, but how oh. can I help my child?
1: right Um, you know well and And I want to be able to engage and if there are topics that I maybe not that we as believers or as a family that we don't necessarily agree with that same philosophy I want to be able to have access to that so I can have that conversation you know
0: right yeah that's exactly right and so I would encourage people and we do just you know to talk to the teachers. And so we, we, in our school system, we have a policy that says, if you have an issue, go to the place where the issue is. Don't go to the principal. Don't go to the superintendent. uh, You know, don't go to the curriculum director, go to the, the person that you, that you, so you can get that information Mm -hmm. right offhand. Like, like what are y'all talking about today?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so, and so, you know, I think most teachers would welcome it if a parent who was heavily involved and said, hey, I want to follow along with what my child's learning. Then, you know, we, our teachers send home weekly um, updates. Mm-hmm. They, but, but so all, forget all those things that teachers do. If you feel like you still don't know what's going on, then set a meeting with the teacher and say, hey, show me how to get on this. Show mm-hmm, me how mm-hmm. I can walk with my because listen I think ninety nine point nine percent of the teachers in the world would welcome them oh. a parent saying hey I'm trying to help my child at home and so if I can see what y'all are doing so I can help them at home I think they'll learn it a lot um, you know more effectively and we can see what where the where the holes are in the learning and there might be some things look like, you know we have some situations where parents have said, Hey, I don't want my child reading that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and you know what we do? We say, all right, well, just know that we are teaching that book in the class, but we will offer another te- a, a, a text for your mm-hmm. child to read. And, and we'll work on that, but there will wow. be conversations in the class that will happen. So, I mean, oh. there, there are tons of opportunities where if you just work with a teacher, and I know I'm being pretty general here because some people might say, "Well, not my teacher." Well, then, then that's when you do go to the assistant principal. Yeah, principal, sure, right? sure, sure. But um, on whole, in a, a larger scale, go to your teacher and say, "Want to help? I want to help my child. Show me how I can see all the things that you're learning." Um. And um. And then if you don't agree with something, say, "Hey, is there another?" what's the standard you're, you know, when you read a book, it's not the book per se that you're trying, there are standards within what you're trying to teach students. And so mm. there, there could be three different books that teach the same standards. Right. Or, you know, you talk about the same standards, but it's different content.
1: Right. And so, right. That's great.
0: So I would say, you know, engage with the teacher. Um, don't be fearful. You look, you know, just go with the right attitude and asking the right questions, you know. And um, and if you don't go anywhere, yeah, absolutely go to the the next person up and say, hey, I'm having a little bit of struggle. Can you help me?
1: Yeah, sure. Intervene and help, help bridge that yeah. gap. That's great.
0: Yeah. Look, oh, life Nikki- is all about relationships, you know. And so yes. um, when we just yell at people or we send emails that are impersonal or, you know, accusing. Um, I think most people are willing to talk about things. Yeah. Um, but but we've been look. We've all been through PTSD. We've we're all we're all scared right now, and we're coming off of two and a half years of what just happened.
1: Oh my gosh! Right. So, I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Uh, I feel so, like I could have this conversation with you for about another three hours, so we <laughs> might have to circle back <laughs>
3: okay. and uh, come That's back to I, this topic yeah.
1: again. Because I just think you really are such a wealth of information and knowledge, and I really appreciate just your solidarity uh, overall. Whether it's with with your in your relationship with the Lord, as a parent, as an administrator, I really am very grateful for your perspective and your time today, Dicky.
0: Well, it's it's actually been fun, Alice. How about that? I've enjoyed <laughs> I guess, being,
1: <laughs> and I'd I'd
0: be with you can get some feedback and maybe I'll do it again. How about that? If yay! you want, yay! <laughs> I love
1: that. That's great. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ask Alice.
2: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Ask Alice with Alice Chernock. If you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit www.rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for the music on this podcast. This podcast is made available to you by the Rooted Ministry for educational purposes only, not to provide specific therapeutic advice. The views expressed are the personal perspectives of the author and do not represent the views of all counselors or of the counseling profession. This podcast does not create a counselor-client relationship and should not be used as a substitute for competent therapeutic counsel from a licensed professional in your state.